Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio. Brought to you by OnPay, Atlanta's new standard in payroll. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Atlanta Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, OnPay. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Today on Atlanta Business Radio, we have Scott Ryan with Mantra. Welcome, Scott. Thanks, Lee. Glad to be here. Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about Mantra. How are you serving folks? So Mantra is sort of a next generation or reimagining of the way people do managed IT. So we do everything with a remote first mindset. So we we focus on remote IT for remote offices, remote people, and remote devices. So what was the genesis of the idea? How did this come about? So, you know, my initial interest in managed services came back when I had sold a company to EMC, the, the storage guys that are now part of Dell. We had a strategic initiative to look at the uh, managed services market and how it was affecting our business. This is going back a number of years. And that got my initial interest in the space. And then I met up with some people that I had worked with previously uh, years ago, my business partner, Matthew Singley in particular, and started talking about the space and what could be done to uh, innovate in the space. And that really became the genesis of it. So about three years ago, we acquired another small MSP in Atlanta called Midtown Technology Partners. And we use that as the the base to really get the company started with the idea that we believed that software was really at the key to provide better leverage to the kinds of services that people are used to delivering, you know, kind of on site and in person, we thought could be done much better in, in a much more scalable way through software. So how many iterations did it take for you to get a service that you were happy with that you knew that, hey, we got something here and we, sh- we can scale this? Well, that's a good question. I, you know, from a software standpoint, you know, we follow a continuous development process. And so with, you know, biweekly sprints, we're constantly creating new features and new capabilities in the software. It's really been... Uh, to, to answer the question maybe a little bit differently, when we got started, what I, I kept saying to the team was, you know, we're really still a managed IT services company with some software that backs us up with the services that we deliver. But at some point, we were going to be able to sort of turn the script around and really be a SaaS company that has a managed, you know, IT service team that can back up what we're delivering through software. And it's really been sort of mid-year of this year that I feel like we've really built enough capability into the software that we could sort of turn the company into a software company more than a services company. Is that kind of, when you cross that threshold, is that what you think uh, brought you into the Inc. 5000? Well, the Inc. 5000, you know, recognizes growth over a three-year, you know, uh, period, sort of looking backwards over three years. So we just got this for the growth that we've seen over the past uh, three years. So what I, I would say that is much of a recognition of our capability to just um, generate business. Uh, and there, there's a couple of things, a little bit of it, I guess, would be software. But, but first and foremost, was just the ability to go take the current base of customers that we had, go deliver services, um, we believe, in a, in a better way, more effective way, uh, grow that base of business with new customers, 
And then we landed one customer in particular, um, which I, I think we have announced is Pixelot, um, which is a um, automated uh, camera technology. They're really the leader in the space for sports automated camera technology. And with them together, they sort of led us um, into an area of our software that has really created a lot of, uh, we believe, uniqueness and innovation in what we do. And, and in effect, what we are is doing what we call device logistics. It's sort of third-party logistics for uh, hardware devices. And that uh, really came to fruition a couple of years ago. And we just sort of grown that base of software that's really on the device logistics side of our business. And then last year, early part of last year, we went through a um, customer discovery process with our current customers to get a better idea of, hey, we had some of the basic um, dashboarding um, data um, integrations through APIs, trouble ticketing tied into the API, uh, into the UI and through APIs. We had all that built, but we were really looking for, you know, where are the biggest pain points that our customers were seeing or prospective customers in the mid market that we weren't, you know, doing business with today. What were the big issues? And it became really obvious really quickly that there was one issue that jumped up above everything else. Um, you know, and it wasn't cybersecurity and it wasn't cloud management and it wasn't, you know, I guess uh, the, the typical things that I guess um, everyone talks about. Right. It wasn't the usual suspects. They- no, not at all. And we had this, you know, sort of we tried to create a scientific process of just, you know, asking people without presenting any options to them and then turning around and presenting options to them. And what it turned out is employee onboarding and offboarding, uh, specifically for IT, what's called IT onboarding and offboarding, was the number one concern everybody was wrestling with. It was an issue that everyone had had prior to COVID, but COVID really exacerbated this problem, which is the fact that the amount of automation and the amount of uh, complexity that um, goes into onboarding an employee or offboarding them from an IT function um, was really, um, I guess, the weaknesses in those processes and most companies were really getting exposed when employees were not coming into the office, when they were being hired remotely, worked remotely their whole time they were with a company, and then they were offboarded remotely and may not have ever stepped foot in, in an office of the companies. So how you do that um, effectively, cost effectively, and most importantly, in a, in a cyber secure and compliant manner um, was obviously an area that a lot of our customers and prospects were wrestling with. So we built a whole module in our software we now call uh, EX. And you know, so we have DX is the device module, EX is the employee module. And they're really, um, the two modules are focused on the employee logistics around IT and the device logistics around IT. Now, when a company gets that right, is it, is it helping um, maybe retain the employees? Is it helping in the uh, you know communicating the culture? Is it helping in those areas as well, or is it just kind of an efficient way of getting people into the you know start working fast? I think the efficiency and sort of ROI is really the the primary uh, driver. I think with um, most clients that are looking at this. I think the other two drivers um, are uh, cyber compliance. So especially when you offboard an employee, if, if your company is in the healthcare space, so it's affected by HIPAA, or if you're in the financial services space and affected by FINRA or other regulations, you have to show um, 
that your employees only have access to the data that they should have access to, and that there is a way to log when they leave um, that you really did remove their uh, rights to um, use the devices that were the company devices, and you remove their credentials or rights to be able to access all the applications. And that sounds really simple, but you know the the average company now has three times more devices than they do people. Um, the average company that's in the mid market has over a hundred SaaS applications. You know, so with each one, um, a different user ID and login. And we haven't run into the company yet where a single sign-on system like Microsoft SSO or Okta or one of those can cover all 100 applications. It typically will cover 20 to 30 of them. The other ones still have to be, you know, the accounts have to be provisioned independently. So there's a security component that is a, a really big concern for all companies across the board. And then there is this, as you sort of imply here, there is this sort of reinforcement of a, of a corporate culture or you know, um, a corporate desire to take care of their employees in a way that um, they feel like they are wrapped in and, <clears throat> excuse me, a part of the company, even though that they may be remote. And um, that has definitely with some of our um, consulting firms and tech firms that has been a big concern for them is that they can uh, deliver on their promise to their new employees and ongoing employees that they will be, you know, sort of cared for as part of the family during their employment process. Now, you mentioned uh, not only do you have kind of this influx of remote uh, workers, and now you have all their devices, and and now, you know, kind of multiple platforms that you have to deal with. And is your solution, it sounds like it's kind of agnostic. It doesn't really matter, or, or does it matter uh, when they have that much complexity amongst people and devices? Well, I would say the more complexity there is, the more value add our software provides to um, to simplifying the workflow. So we design into our software um, basic workflows of, you know, from the start of, say, on an onboarding, it starts with an HRIS system integration um, so that when a new employee is put into, say, Paylocity or, or Paycom or one of those systems, we have a webhook that would see that new employee and it immediately gets pulled into our system and the IT department, either internal IT or, you know, employees of the mantra uh, can then pick up the necessary tasks that need to be done for that particular uh, type of employee. So in the task uh, and workflow can be different based upon whether it's a sales and marketing or engineering or management employee and go through the whole process. Similarly for, um, you know, unpersoned devices that are um, working out in the field, out at the edge, independently of people, um, we can work the entire logistics of warehousing those devices if they want us to warehouse and inventory them, you know, dynamically showing the inventory, including latest software versions so that we can update software if it's been sitting in the warehouse too long, and then um, manage, managing all the way through the forward logistics of fulfillment and pushing those devices out into the field. And then the reverse logistics of getting those devices back if um, they can't be repaired in the field, and then we um, can repair them in our facility as well. So, you know, certainly from our standpoint, the more of those, you know, overall complex functions that a uh, customer has, uh, the more value we can provide for them uh, overall. And so, you know, we're typically looking at mid-market size companies, so companies that would have 100 employees at a minimum or more. Um, oftentimes, most of our companies are in high growth mode. So we, we like working with innovative companies, growing companies, companies that have 
sort of unique problems about uh, edge delivery, um, either of devices or their people need to work out at the edge of the network, whether it's in retail or whether it's, um, you know, uh, sales or other roles where people are naturally um, not sitting in an office someplace. Um, those kinds of customers, you know, we can add a tremendous amount of value uh, for those customers. Now, when, so, um, when they're in the high sorry, growth, when they're in high growth mode, are they seeing kind of the problems that you know they're about to see? Like that they are they do they are they self aware to know that hey, you know, we are growing fast. With these things are going to be multiplying really quickly. We're going to need a, a more robust solution than what we have now. Are they open to having those kind of conversations with you at that point? Or that they can kind of see the future um i i I wish they all did um no i think we we certainly have most like most companies that are out there i think especially companies that are um executing really well and then you know uh, going through a lot of growth they're oftentimes just dealing with the things that are kind of 30 60 90 in front of them and so oftentimes we are coming in you know, uh, trying to solve a problem that already exists as opposed to um, understanding the the problems on the horizon and and could be um, a large wave hitting them soon. I think with our best customers, uh, what they are seeing is they're seeing the beginnings of the problem. It hasn't, you know, it's bubbled up to maybe a top 10 or maybe top five problem, but not because it's the wheels are falling off the bus in their operation, but because they're you know, they're visionary enough to be able to see that, hey, this is about to become a really big problem because we have more employees coming on board or about to do a rollout to a thousand locations of our devices. And we really don't have our processes in place. Um, and that's exactly when we start to get engaged uh, with customers. So is that um, that's when you would like to get engaged a little sooner, though, right in a perfect world? In a perfect world, we would love to get involved sooner. And I think from our standpoint, as we grow, you know, part of our sales responsibility is going to be being able to communicate um, to prospective customers why they need to uh, be concerned about these issues even before um, they think they may see them. Um, You know, what we're really trying to help uh, customers do is take some capabilities that have been available in software and consulting services to the Fortune 500 under multi-million dollar projects and multi-million dollar implementations and sort of standardizing the processes a bit and saying, well, look, it's going to be semi-customized for your environment, um, but it's going to be much more cost-effective for you to implement. So you're better off going ahead and implementing this now rather than trying to wait until Mm -hmm. you have a multi-million dollar implementation that needs to be done, you know, when you're a, a, you know, a couple of billion dollar company. Um, we're really looking um, for the companies that are growing and, and seeing these issues uh, coming in front of them. Right. Because if they see it, it's like you said earlier, when they see it, when there's, you know, 50 or 100 and then they're going to get to a thousand, it's only going to get worse. So you better fix it now. It's like pay me now or pay me later. Right. And, you know, and we certainly have had implementations, you know, where there's uh, effectively extra money, rush fees and things that are being paid to actually get the implementation done more quickly. But I will say, you know, um, maybe it's to our detriment, but um, our ability to integrate quickly with systems of record that most of our customers have in their operation um, allows us to, you know, onboard a customer typically in 30 to 90 days, depending on the complexity of of what we're uh, getting onboarded with. 
and and they can start seeing the value in the ROI, you know, within that one quarter. Um, we aren't talking about even in the worst scenarios that we've seen so far. We're not talking about year long uh, integrations. Um, I will say, though, what we uh, often see with customers today is they'll get started with us with one particular thing that we can do. Like, hey, I, I really need help. I'm adding lots of new people and I need help with, you know, onboarding those people. Uh, or we had one large consulting firm who was actually doing a major refresh on their laptops and they just needed everything offboarded and actually securely uh, erased because their clients didn't want that data. They wanted proof, uh, quite frankly, that that data was um, not going to be um, knowable or seeable by other uh, future uh, clients. And we'll often, as I say, get involved in one particular type of project like that. And then, um, and then by executing well on it, by getting used to having the visibility and the awareness kind of up-to-date information that our software provides for them is something that uh, customers just aren't used to seeing, especially in the mid-market. They just aren't used to having that kind of up-to-the-minute uh, inventory information, process you know, information about you know, where an onboarding is or where an offboarding is. And once they sort of get uh, a taste of that, um, they uh, are so far looking for us to uh, do more for them to give them more visibility in more areas of their operation. So that <clears throat> that's typically your first point of entry at this point? Like on yeah, a project, our, our, you're, you're working on a project because they have something that you're, you're, they need triaged, so they bring you in to kind of solve some urgent issue? Exactly. Uh, the um, That is almost uh, innately. Our, our typical entry points are in one of two ways. Someone has an immediate need that, oftentimes comes from feeling a particular pain about maybe um, having trouble onboarding a lot of employees quickly, or um, maybe uh, turned into a uh, cyber compliance problem where they weren't able to prove um, who had access to what and what part of their operation. Uh, or in the more favorable scenarios, we're getting a lot of uh, referrals from our current customers. And th those customers are coming in. We've signed a major television broadcast network. We've signed a, a major baseball league and those purely came in by recommendations from current customers. Um, and so we were able to um, be a little bit more planful in the way um, we are onboarding them as customers. So what's next? Um, are you seeing any kind of trends in the marketplace that you think you can uh, leverage? What, what do you, what's next uh, for mantra? Well, for us, we're, we're in a growth mode where um, uh, what's next for us is to um, uh, we, we actually don't have any salespeople. So uh, the growth that we've seen so far has really been through um, relationships that I've had and my business partner have had um, and then referrals, as I mentioned, from other customers and, and the inorganic acquisition that we did at the beginning of the company. For us, we're really um, standardizing what we're building out in the software and then uh, building out a, a team uh, internally to help us uh, sell that. Um, as we look at who we target, it, it's really for what's next, it's really expanding on what we're currently doing. So we're looking for uh, customers that are um, outside the U.S. that are building hardware and, and are look, looking for sort of an engineering um, heavy logistics partner that can help them with the deployment of their technology in the U.S. and Canada. Um, so we've actually brought on uh, one salesperson in Europe to help us find other EMEA-based companies 
uh, similar to what we've done with Pixelot because uh, Pixelot's actually based in uh, Israel. And then um, what we also look are looking to expand on is the um, employee side of the logistics um, and the laptop and employee side of that. And that's really looking at U.S.-based companies that are in the mid-market and um, that are, um, we would sort of broadly put into the category of information workers. So consultants, legal, tech, and media companies, um, where the assets that are sitting on those laptops that those employees are using um, actually are um, extremely important or the intellectual property of the company. And um, because of that, those companies have uh, a lot of um, uh, worries, concerns, issues associated with the security of that information and the privacy of that information. And so we're really just looking to expand what we're currently doing into more customers of that type. So if somebody wanted to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you or somebody on the team, what is the website? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, so it's absolutely, it's uh, www.mantra.io and it's M-O-N-T-R-A. It's actually, by the way, a, a word um, in Pevlavi uh, that means uh, safe, protected place. It's not necessarily a play on the uh, Sanskrit word. Um, but if you uh, go there and go to one of the contact us buttons, you can absolutely uh, reach us there. And anyone that wants to reach out to me directly, they can reach me at scott at mantra.io as well. And we'll be happy to uh, answer any questions and serve anyone that's uh, interested. Well, Scott, congratulations on all the growth and success. Uh, you're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thanks, Lee. Thanks for having me on your show. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Atlanta Business Radio. Bye.